Welcome to Holy Ghosting, a podcast about deconstruction with your middle-aged mom friends. I'm Lindsay, and I had sex before marriage, therefore I was a chewed up, used old piece of gum when I got married. And I'm Meg, and I did not touch or see or feel a penis until my wedding night, and then it was full P&V right then and there. Mm. Not, God, not I hate that story. I as, hate that story. Good Lord intended it. <laughs> Speaking of purity horror stories. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm Sarai. And I stayed a virgin until I got married against my wishes. I guess I was like an incel kind of, but it was voluntary. So I guess – I don't know, man. I Growing up, Christian was fucking weird, okay? That's all I have to say. That's just – I can't even do a good intro today. Just It's fucking weird. <laughs> It was a weird thing. <laughs> and today on Holy Ghosting is Tales from the Purity Culture Crypt. Ah! We're feeling spooky and creepy. <laughs> and we are talking about, I think, the darkest, weirdest, worstest parts of evangelicalism, which is purity culture. And we asked our listeners and our fans on the internet to submit some stories. So we have heard from a lot of people because we were all scarred by beauty culture. Am I right? Raise a hand oh, if yeah. beauty yeah, culture hands up. fucked you up. Every hands up. Listeners, hands I up. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. It's all of us. So many hands. And probably a bunch of you listening. So good job, everybody. <laughs> and as usual, we try to deal with things in a little bit of humor, but also a lot of honesty and from a place of wanting to heal and connect with others who have been through similar things. Just know going into this episode, there will be some heavy topics. I'm just giving some trigger warnings. We will definitely be talking about a lot of sex, a lot of body parts. All of those things are going to be mentioned, but also uh, assault and rape will be talked about as well. So we will try to give some specifics. There's one specific story that we're sharing that we'll give a trigger warning before that story. But for the most part, we'll mostly just be talking a lot about sex and all the sex we were not having. So, <laughs> <laughs> And all the shame we felt around it mm. and even the thoughts that we had were terrible and we weren't allowed to lust in our hearts. Though, no, and the lifelong ramifications of growing up in a very oppressive, forcefully repressive environment. Um, you know, just still untangling those knots. No problem. We're all good. And we and we will be untangling it forever, which is why we we joke that we could do multiple seasons on purity culture. We have done episodes on purity culture specifically. Uh, one of our favorites is Dr. Laura Anderson. That episode was so dang helpful. We life-changing adore her. And if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and listen to it. She just has so much goodness to say. And so this is just, this is just going to be the three of us today. We are not coming at this from a therapist perspective. We are coming at it from like our perspective and how it was to live as young women in evangelical spaces uh, that during the height of the purity culture craze, specifically True love waits. TLW, bitches. Yes. So many good memories. <laughs> yeah. So I, for those who may not know, True Love Waits was a, a movement. I I should have done my research as to when it started, but frankly, I just didn't even want to give them the Google clicks. I don't care when they started. I'm not going to give you the history of them. What it was is basically took over youth groups nationwide and people were pledging their virginity. They were going to save themselves. There were pledge cards. There were purity rings. There were conferences. There was, I 
someone on our TikTok said they were in a True Love Waits musical. What? Oh, that's awesome. Isn't that amazing? I really I'm like, get a link to that. I need to see it. Like somebody I know. I asked, I asked her and she was like, I don't think it, she, I'm sure she burned it. You know, we got to find it. If we can find it on YouTube somewhere. Um, I didn't know. I I was never, um, taken to True Love Waits musical and nor Mm -hmm. was I in one. Sadly, I really feel like that's one part of fundamentalism I missed out on. So I feel like you and Sarai would have really just like knocked that out of the park. Standing ovations every night. Wait, hold on. Um, I'm, since Soraya is a musical genius, I just want to know if you were to write a True Love Voids musical right now, I just need to know what would you, what would your song be? Like, how would you sing about the P and the V? Like, let me know. Oh, I'd start it like, I don't want it. I don't want it, want it. I don't want it, want your P and my V for now. <laughs> for now. And Later, also, you and, then, also and then you and then you put a ring on it. I think this is a pop culture thing. Like you could literally oh, just yeah. like, and then you got to put a ring on it. And that's then you right. do a ladies' dance. Sex, put look, a ring look, on look. it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. If the yeah. peas, if the peas gonna be, put a ring on it. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. So a penis <laughs> yeah. ring? No, that's not what we mean. Okay. Cool. <laughs> okay. So Sorry, we're going to be writing topic. this musical. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to participate or per- be part of our performance, you just mm-hmm. let us know. We're taking applications now. Uh, send us all your lyric ideas because frankly, if we can't laugh about this shit, like I might cry. Like I just might start crying. Cause I this, am going to write. A it's not just like, yeah. <laughs> go on, go Please on. Do. I'm going Please. to, I just, I, I like just decided. Cause I feel like you do need it, Meg. I think it is something cathartic. Yeah. It's, yeah. We it's like, I need to dance sing to it. Yes. Yeah. And I need to sing those ballads. I need to like s- sing them at like the top of my lungs, but not, not the true live weights version. I want the purity culture horror musical yes. that just like takes all this anguish that we have and makes it absolutely hilarious because that's the place I met. I just mm-hmm. need to giggle a little about the shit that we endured because if not, like it's, it is, it's tragic. It's horrible. Like my sexual repression has overwhelmed me this last year, just realizing how deep it has been and how overwhelmingly powerful it has been in my life. And I've been married 23 years. Like, I should not have sexual hangups. Like, really? And and this is, this is the shit that's like so deep because it, like Dr. Laura said, it happened to us during that time of our adolescence where we were supposed to be learning how to turn that dial up and down. And we just shut it down yeah we're so good at it you guys really good at it i got so many awards and medals awards well and words trophies like uh, on my wedding day all people talked about was our virginity all that was celebrated was our virginity it was literally so embarrassing that that's like the thing that people want to fucking talk about when 20 year old like i felt like they should like be giving me trophies and putting gold medals around my neck and that I was like being praised and glorified for having never seen or touched a peen ever. They're like, (laughs) you're really in for it tonight. The scariest thing. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, you guys are going to get it on. Is that's the other weird thing about it is like, I'm supposed to be a pure, like virgin. I mean, I don't know what other words to use. Just like a pure straight virgin never seen or touched, never had a lustful thought, never experienced like (laughs) anything. And then on my wedding night, it's like, put a ring on it and that's it. No one gives you information. No one helps you be prepared. 
I wasn't on birth control. I didn't understand about like basic reproductive shit. It just kind of came all at me hard. But hey, we don't have to just hear oh about my, my God, trauma. That's what she said. Dang, Meg, what you just said was so good. I'd like to just revisit. It came at me really hard on your wedding night. Okay. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's true. And as as all my friends know, the sexual innuendos come out of my mouth without me even knowing. So you're welcome. Thank you. Some of that is because I think we were so green, like we didn't even know. Like it's a little Tobias, right? Like all the things that he says. I'm going to need to put a tape recorder on me. And uh, yeah, (laughs) that's a good idea. (laughs) Yes. Well, what I want to know specifically is, did either of you, Meg or Sarai, have a purity ring? And if so, do you remember when you got it? Like, what were the? Can you tell me about your your period? What did it look like? How long did you wear it for? Like, did you wear yours till your wedding day? Yeah, I had two purity rings. Two, because you were that pure, so pure, <laughs> the purest. <laughs> I had one that came. I believe that it was a ring from my grandmother. It was just a simple silver band. Um, my mom gave it to me as kind of an early promise to myself. Like, I think it was a really beautiful thing. It was not about true love weights. It was about not having sex because like, of course, of course, but it was more about like honoring, like, like being married to myself was kind of the idea. It wasn't about being married to Jesus. It was more just like this, you know, wearing it on my, I wore it on my wedding ring, my, on my left hand. And it was just like a a placeholder that said, I'm not available. I feel like is kind of what it was. It was more like, I'm, I don't need to be owned. Oh, like, you know, (laughs) yeah. Um, but, but for me, I took it really seriously. Like I, for, it was, I think it was in that like 12, 13 kind of time, maybe when I started to talk about boys that were cute or like people that I liked, um, where like you like them so much that you can't not say something about it. Um, and that probably scared my mom. Yeah. I, I don't remember a ton of specifics around like what it all was. And it might have even be not have been a thing with my mom. Um, I, it might have just been a thing that she gave to me. And then I kind of created some lore around it and like made it a symbol of something. Um, but then when the true love weight stuff started, I got a ring from the disciple shop, our local Christian bookstore. Um, it was really uncomfortable <laughs> because <laughs> it was doves and the doves were like, inset and so they were sharp they were like pointy edges on these doves like symbolic remember the dove i remember these yeah it's symbolic but like it i it was like because i feel like if i took it off there'd be like little imprints of doves on my hand i'm right bring me back because i forgot about it held it was it was a metal too that was like hard and like i don't know there was something about it that was like i think it turned my finger green it wasn't like good metal no, it you wasn't know, it was real like plated. Ring. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, what and, and, and that one mind- was like full that one was full on purity, true love weights. I had a boyfriend at the time. It was like I made a declaration to him about it. It was like very much like this is a stance that I am taking. You will not see, touch, be anywhere near sexual parts of me. The mm. end. Mm. <laughs> well, so Thanks. fun stuff. I, I love that, that little day. ring. Yeah. It's a great ring. I think it's like um, where Machine Gun Machine Gun Kelly got the idea to put claws on the inside of Megan, whatever her face's name is, 
uh, with their engagement ring. It's like, so it will be painful to take off. And I feel like that's the same idea. It's like these purity rings kind of stood in for like a chastity belt, but like also was a little bit of a torture device, like just so we could experience a little more pain in our lives every single day. Uh, I also had a ring that my grams got me and I'm pretty sure that it was just that she wanted to get me a ring. And it was like a cute little aquamarine ring. It was gold, but it was a 90s. So it was kind of like, ew, gold. No one wears gold because it's the 90s, only silver. Uh, so I didn't really yeah. wear it much. But then I did like when I I sometimes would go through like extra Christian phases, especially like if I had a really exciting experience at summer camp or whatever, and I'd come home and just be on fire for the Lord. And I'm pretty sure that at one of one of those points, um, I picked up that ring and started wearing it as a purity ring. But I also didn't wear it all. I don't like I never have rings on. I just don't like wearing them, I think. And I always lose them. So I'm pretty sure I lost that ring like almost immediately. And I haven't seen it in decades. (laughs) So I guess I was like, okay with losing my purity ring, which I guess which wasn't even that. But um, yeah but not losing my virginity. Well, you should have had a purity necklace or something. So mm-hmm. <laughs> because clearly the ring did a really good job for Meg. Um, I do find it interesting that looking at other cultures, like the Bible doesn't say a lot about premarital sex people. There's uh, There are verses about sexual immorality, which people have taken to mean having Whatever sex before want. marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But it's interesting because like most major religions – do not approve of sex before marriage. So it's not just a Christianity thing, Mm -hmm. but with like true love weights and the purity rings and the conferences, Christians seem to be the only religion that have figured out how to monetize that. Mm. And I find that very interesting that it became this whole thing and we were all buying the jewelry. And like, of course there was like, it couldn't just be any old ring. You had to like, I mean, it could be obviously Sarai, you had one your grandma bought for you, but there were the branded ones. And I think that there were two different companies. There was True Love Ways was the one that we knew. And I can't remember. It was like Silver Ring or there was something, there was another purity culture like ring company or what have you, but definitely at your local Christian bookstore, you could find those. Um, And I also think it's so interesting how it became this weird way for like parents to talk to their children about sex. Like it was such a bizarre, yeah. especially for women. I know that there were, there were guys like purity culture left none unscathed. Like mm-hmm. it was bad for women and it was bad for men. Um, but from my experience, what I know it was the parents sitting down with girls mostly to give them the ring. There were, I mean, the Jonas brothers famously wore purity rings. Uh, Justin and Brittany did for a minute. Like it was a thing. Like it was in, the culture, it wasn't just a fringe thing. A lot, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people were taking these pledges. Everyone and their mom was was wearing <laughs> uh just kidding. Our moms were not. They were uh, people my mom moms got were divorced. Things. So oh. I mean, maybe she did. Who she, knows? She probably had yeah. a scarlet letter ring. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, like most things in Christianity, I like didn't fully buy. I remember signing the pledge. I clearly remember having a ring, but I don't remember. Like, I must have bought it on my own at some point. My high school boyfriend, though, the one I dated through, like, most of the end of high school, gave me a promise ring, Mm. which I was little – which was a little different. I was like, is this a promise for us to be pure? Kind of. But it was more – it was a promise to get engaged. Yes. Yes. You got to lock that that down. That's the Mm pre-engagement 
but yeah. without yeah. the commitment. Of like and a pre, also, okay, pre-engagement just, kind of. Yeah. A <laughs> Which doesn't make question sense. of like, but is that, does that give, my thought was like when I had friends that would do that, that would get like a promise ring from their boyfriend, it meant that they would have sex with them because it meant that they were promising oh, to get no. engaged. No. And so the promise ring from the boyfriend was like, oh, these are secular friends. I'm so sorry. I did not mean to imply that <laughs> I was like, the youth group. Who are these? I was like, Ooh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Fuck no. This was at high school, okay. at public high school that I did get school. to go to. Uh, yeah, I was there for a little, little, little short stint. So and- I almost did a spit take <laughs> when you said public high school. Like, that's the out. You, you, public high school? Yeah. Like, and lucky bitch. those, uh, those, those promiscuous girls, just kidding. Mm-hmm. They would not do it with a boyfriend unless there was like a promise of something mm-hmm. in the future, like a commitment of some force, you know. Oh. And it's like that was the big like buy a diamond. I mean, everyone's like, you just need a diamond. You need a diamond. So when you would get a guy to get buy you a jewelry piece that had a diamond ish or like adjacent feeling to an engagement ring, it was like jewelry just opened them up. And it was kind of like once you saw, like the legs just spread. The legs just spread open. Give me a ring, bitch! I will spread these legs. Like have fun. I that is so funny. I so I mean, famously, I have seen and touched a lot of penises before I got not a lot, but like enough that it wasn't a novelty so much. Uh, by the time I got married, but like, um. I did get engaged, like kind of on the regular in Christian college, and I and I will say, I think it is. Were they like, expecting like that it would change your relationship? Like, were they expecting oh, a, a fiance engagement for sure? Thought that was a license for him to like demand blowjobs from me a lot, and if I didn't do it, he was physically violent. So, oopsies, <laughs> that was sexual abuse. I I forgot to content warning it. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. I didn't realize that until I was like 34, right? And so very, very cool. Um, no, but it, it, yeah, with him. And I think with for me, it made it less horrible. Like it made mm-hmm. me feel slightly a little bit less guilty about doing sexual things because partly I wasn't doing P-envy, but I was also really terrified of getting pregnant. And that's actually one of the reasons why I didn't marry any of these fiancés because I was like, well, I'm not – I'm 20. Like, I don't want to have a fucking baby. That's a terrible – because I, I knew that for a long time. Like, when I was a child, you know, I'd ask my mom, like, why do you have all these fucking kids? Like, how fun is this? It does not seem fun. And she's like, so they can grow up and have more kids. And I'm like, what the fuck? I don't – no thanks. I'm going to have a life. And so then I did. But you know what I'm saying. I'm I'm rambling now, but – Well, yeah, th- because our sex education told us that the only way to not get pregnant was abstinence. It was, like, uh-huh. the only option. And, and pregnancy, especially as a young woman, was the most terrifying thing that could happen to you. It was, like – if you get pregnant, the end. It's like the visible acknowledgement of your dirty, dirty deeds. And I yeah. could not imagine. Like, and even if I had been married, I didn't want to have. I knew for sure I did not want to have children when I was young. Like, I really wanted to wait until I had, like, some financial stability and, like, got to do some stuff in my life as an adult. Like, I wanted that. And I'm glad that I gave myself that time and space for sure. Okay, Lindsay, I want to know. You've heard so many of my stories. <laughs> Hit me with it. Come on. Purity culture horror. Let's go. 
I feel like I have several. One of them I feel like is deeply embarrassing. So this is this podcast is my way for me to like talk way too much about uh, my sex life. Uh, sorry <laughs> to all my previous sexual partners. I uh, <laughs> did not get their permission. My husband is fine. He, he doesn't care that I talk about stuff. One thing that was funny talking what we were just talking about with like not having sex because fear of getting pregnant was because, you know, if you do, you're keeping that baby. No questions asked. And you're going to be a teen mom. Uh, Maybe give it up for adoption. Maybe. But usually someone in your family is going to adopt it. You just co-raise it with your family, right? And this is burned into my brain because the head pastor of a church when I was young, I was like seven or eight. My dad was the youth pastor at this church. And this pastor gets up on stage in front of the whole congregation weeping sobbing because his daughter is pregnant. Oh my God. And it was like this repentance thing. He had to like, I just don't understand why. And of course she like kept the baby, whatever. Like her baby is like now my Facebook friend. So weird. Uh, (laughs) So funny. That baby that was like sobbed about on that stage. I don't like talked, but it was like, because they're family friends that, you know, we kept in touch with over the years. But that was just so burnt. How shameful that mm. was, you know, and that for he, the parent, as, right? Like, yes, he was deeply to be the pastor and have your daughter get mm-hmm. like pregnant, and yeah, just and she kept the baby, but like not from the gut, not from the dad. But it was like her a guy. So she was in my dad's youth group, which was again why mm. it was a big deal. And another guy in the youth group, like dated her and then ended up marrying her and then like raised this kid as his own, mm. and they are still together, which is like wild so there's that that was like very formative to me right and that we could get into like the problems with that we don't have to but like weird and so you know growing up I I did some things as we talked about I did not wait until I got married to have sex um I was a rebel I'm (laughs) little Lindsay always like kind of pushing the boundaries on things I was a bad I was kind of a bad Christian I realized like I just never I didn't want to be a missionary and I had sex. So. Oh, no. Just two Those strikes. are the two things yeah. you can't do. Yeah. That's it. But <laughs> prior to my husband, I had sex with two people before him. And I did not have an orgasm of any kind God. whatsoever until I was married. Hmm. No. Hmm. Um, or wait, maybe it was Never until- ever? Never. You never- What? I didn't. I didn't masturbate. I didn't I I the guys I had sex with didn't even seem to think that they they did not see to it that I cuz I like didn't even know what I was looking for. You know what I mean? Like I just uh, like I rem- I know 100% what yeah, you're talking make about. Those, no, I'm like I don't know. I literally started having <laughs> orgasms when I was like 5. <laughs> like I don't that was a thing I was doing. Like it's so weird. Yeah. Well, and when you talk about that, clearly everyone's like wired so differently and people's mm-hmm. libidos are different and, and that's fine. Like it just, it clearly wasn't a thing that I was like, because I wasn't, we weren't talking about that stuff when I was younger. So I didn't, you know, you didn't I mean, know. when I was little, I didn't know were, what that right. was, of yeah. course, but yeah. Right. But I don't even ever remember talking about, like, I didn't even think I knew females could masturbate. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I didn't know how people, they people would do vaginas. it. There's nothing to hold onto. Well, because we talked about it in youth group about men so much. Yes. Like that yeah. was bad and porn Boys was bad, masturbating was like common so knowledge, right? Literally so bad. All that conversation. So that was like a huge – that's a purity culture fucking horror story from my crypt of going to like middle school youth group or high school youth group. And it's always – we're always talking about the boys and how they're 
you know, visual. And if you wear a bra, they'll see it and like really be turned on. And all the boys were like, it was fine for them to joke about masturbation. And like, we all would talk about like everyone, all the boys do that. And then like, no girls, we never talked about it. And I, I was like, I got a pamphlet from my pediatrician's office that told me that masturbation is when you rub the foreskin of your vagina and it can lead to orgasm. And I'm pretty sure that's a thing I do all the time. Also, but I can't say anything because no other girls I knew like ever did that, like, or talked about it or maybe even thought about it. And I, I don't know. I just like happily stumbled upon it as a a body experience, but it's, yeah, it's just so strange to me, like that feeling of alienation and the idea that somehow I'm like bad because I've done this totally normal thing that every child really normally does explore in some way at some point. So it's, it is really uh, devastating, I think, to feel kind of on the outside and like you're a weird person because only boys are supposed to be obsessed with masturbation and sex. And I like wasn't obsessed, I don't think, but I thought I would always be like, well, they always say boys think of sex every seven seconds or something. And I'm like, how I, oh my God, you guys, it's like when, when you all asked me about how often I think of the Roman empire, like people were talking about that being a thing with men and whatever. And I was like, well, I think of the Roman empire like every day, (laughs) but I think it's because, but I think it's because one, I might be a man. I don't know. I mean, just kidding. I'm not, but just kidding. It's not that, but the the truth is like what it is, is the, the cultural and societal parts of it, but also that I also always had an interest in sex more in lots yeah. of cases than the men I've been in relationship with or who I've known. And it's, it's interesting because I, I don't think I'm particularly like prurient, but, uh, I, I do feel, feel like I've always had that, like walking this line of like, I want to be a good girl And also, like, this isn't – this is a weird thing for me to not do because I feel bad when I don't do it, like, for a long time, you know? Anyway, I call it being horngry now. You learned from a young age that some of that stress and anxiety could be relieved by having positive endorphins in your body. And Mm -hmm. that's something that I did not get in my life. I really had an idea of sex as something that was more of – not an obligation, but like only married people did it. And I didn't understand Mm -hmm. what being married would be like or was. So it just, it was like a thing that I didn't, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me because I wasn't married. And it also wasn't for you because you're a woman and you're supposed to think of it as a chore and drudgery. Like pop culture and Christian culture reinforced that idea forever and always and still talks about it like that. And that was the other, like when I got married, I was like, finally, I'm going to have sex all the time. It's going to be great. And like my ex-husband, immediately we never had sex. Like we didn't have sex. We had sex on our wedding night kind of badly. And then almost never again, except for maybe once a month. So it was not pleasant for me for years because I wasn't actually like getting enough of it. And it makes me mad. Kev, I've made it clear that I'm really fucking mad about this. Like I actually am really mad. I'm really mad mad and it makes me and when it makes me sad and that's why like sharing this story is like so deeply embarrassing when I think about like I think back on 
and like warning, this is just a little graphic talking about like sexual experiences, like having someone go down on me and it feeling good, but then not knowing enough about myself or my body to be able to, I mean, A, he didn't check in and B, I wasn't able to tell him. I mean, it's taken me years to be able, so many years into my marriage to say like what I like and what I don't like. And also realizing people were, I, I think it's just a little trickier to get me there. And so- and I know that now, and my partner knows that and has spent time like figuring it out. We've like got a good rhythm, but it is just, it's like so sad to me that I just wasn't ever given the education to yeah. know that like I could have been having those pleasure moments. Like it's just because I only went to Christian school and I was homeschooled and like churches don't talk about like, I just didn't even know that like female masturbation was a thing. Like people with vaginas can do that too. Who knew? And for men, it was bad. Like that they were horn dogs right. and they were giving into sexual temptation and lust and yada, yada. Everything was just, it was, it was bad. just couched in so much shame, right? Yeah. Everything. Totally. And so shame. I think I was, I was afraid of that part of my body. And like yeah. you, when you get those little flutters, I think I just shut it down because yep. I didn't know what that was and I knew it wasn't good, Right. Even when I decided to like step out and have sex. And then, and then here's the other piece about the lack of education and the shame piece about having sex is that when I finally did have sex, I was not on birth control and I did not insist that he use a condom again because I didn't have agency. I didn't know how to talk about sex. Mm-hmm. Sure shit, didn't know how to do it. And I got a fucking STD and had a cancer scare and had to have surgeries. And like it became this whole big nightmare chapter in my life because I felt that I could not get on birth control because that would then be admitting I was actively having sex. And if you all know, if you know the stigma around birth control, if you were on birth control, you were a slut. That's what I thought. Yep. 100%. I mean, 100%. I had friends that were on birth control who I was like, oh, that means you're having sex all the time. Yeah. Or they're like, oh, it's for my acne or my painful periods or whatever. And I'm like, oh, really? You can do that? It's mm-hmm. weird. I was always like, "Bullshit, you're just having sex. Like, it's not for acne." I totally judge those people. I was like, Mm-mm. my I mom just... was so extreme in like her pro life phase, uh, her extra extra pro life phase, where mm-hmm. she was volunteering all the time for that. Like, she told me that birth control was abortion because it prevents yeah. an implantation of a fertilized egg. And I'm like, okay, that feels like a lot. Like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> Also, I mean, it's true how it works, but like, I was like, that's how true. I didn't get birth control when I got married. Maybe it's not. Yeah. Oh, I did too. Even married. I used a diaphragm. It was like 2000, the year 2000 when mm-hmm. I got married. And I cannot believe that I, existed. Yeah. I got a diaphragm and I didn't know that you had to also use spermicide with it. Mm. Um, <laughs> so. That was a learning curve. Same with you, Lindsay. I had never masturbated. And so I had never like even put my fingers inside of my own self. So me putting a diaphragm in on my wedding night was the first time that I had gone like up that far. I mean, not the first time because I practiced it a couple of times, I think, Uh before to like make sure I could get it in and get it out. But like even that, knowing where my cervix was by feeling it with my own hand was like brand new to me. I you know? definitely and I was did 20 not and put I... my fingers in that far. <laughs> like, that's that's. I a mean, lot. the diaphragm has to like go up around it, and then you have yeah. to pop it off. It's like it, it's like a whole not pleasant experience. First of all, to be horrible. touching yourself in a way that's very like 
medical and you know gross mm-hmm. it also smelled gross the diaphragm mm-hmm. side note it was not and the spermicide was disgusting Ugh, it was not like gross. a pleasant preparation for sex. i'm like so upset this is the tales of the crypt is literally like diaphragm what the fuck i don't even know what one looks like i don't i wouldn't know what it smells i'll like. draw we you are, a picture i don't want to really know getting into it today this i love upsetting. that like, like this is a well, horrifying this like our and that's how you prepare to feel like like cool <laughs> yes and now get don't you feel sexy don't mind me i'm gonna go Romance find my cervix and then insert a diaphragm and then <laughs> spermicide it like I'll see you in a minute baby <laughs> also the spermicide had to go on like within like three five minutes of <gasps> ejaculation or something it was like this really insane window of time that i was like wait are you gonna come i have to put are you close just a minute <laughs> Oh my god! I yeah, did. No I didn't know anything. I literally that didn't sucks. know anything. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. Gosh, I'm so glad it's not anymore. After my hysterectomy, I felt liberation in a way that was like so amazing. I I wish I had felt that liberation at 13 to just be like, oh, I have all the knowledge that I need to know to protect myself from STIs, from pregnancy, from you know whatever, and that all I would have had to deal with was like heartache. That would have been great. Oh my god! Because when you get enough made it out to be like, if you do, I mean, this is the thing too: is that by making sex before marriage so taboo and such a forbidden thing, they also create the self fulfilling prophecy of if you have sex, bad things will happen. You will get chlamydia right. and you will die. Like that hilarious joke in Mean Girls is literally like the sex education we got in youth group, right? Have sex, you'll get chlamydia, you'll die. It's a sin, slippery slope, then you're fucking an animal. Like, whatever, as we all know. <laughs> but yep. it's it's because they don't allow us to find that information. Even the information itself is bad. It's We're not allowed to go outside of the church or whatever teachers we have there to find information, even about our own fucking bodies and what we need yeah. to do to be a living human being who's healthy and, you know, actually existing here on this earthly plane. Because I feel like my religious upbringing was so much about like transcendence and, and like dissociation and bifurcation of my spirit, mind and body, you know, just like none of that could be coexisting. But we do make that into, of course, then you get HPV and have to have, you know, a cervical cancer scare. But I did too. But I did use a condom. But also, everyone has HPV. (laughs) And so just guess what? Everyone has it. Uh, Get the vaccine if you're a child. And if you're listening to this, I really hope that you don't experience any of this bullshit because purity culture will fuck a person up like hard forever. Uh, Not forever, maybe, but kind of a lot. <laughs> yeah. And the, sh- the, sh- the shame around getting HPV and then having to admit, like, to tell my parents, because I'm already married at this point. Like, part I, of the reason that, because this stuff all came about later, or I think it's maybe when Nick and I were engaged. And mm. he was so, like, kind about it. And it was just, like, he was so supportive, and which is part of the reason why I think, like, like I knew I wanted to marry because he just had no judgment right yeah. about my sexual past and that it was like affecting. He was like going with me to all these doctor's appointments, but then I eventually, you know, had to tell my parents what was going on just like, cause like, Hey, <laughs> I might have cancer. That's a f- thing you should tell your folks. And just like, man, the disappointment and mm. the shame I felt around that. Lindsay, did you feel like a consequence of that was a punishment for having sex? Like, did you make that 
own connection? And did you like, were you mean to yourself about that? Yeah, I had a ton of guilt over it and felt like it was a direct consequence of me having premarital sex. Whereas now that I'm older, I think that it was a direct consequence of not having proper sex education or understanding, you know, how advocating for myself, any of those things. I had none of that. And of course I have myself to blame. I should, I have, you know, advocated better? Yes. But I had no, I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the language. And frankly, there's, I think any of you who have been in purity culture will know that the shame is so deep and so far reaching that you you don't know yourself and you don't know how to talk about your wants, your needs, because you're not a lot, you're not supposed to have those, right? So yeah. it's, you push it down and you push it down. And if that part comes out, it's, it's, it's like an accident, right? <laughs> and you don't know how to deal with it. So yeah, it was the layers are, and I've talked about this before in the podcast and then even going into my marriage and talking about what I want, realizing things that like, oh, sex shouldn't be painful. Like was a fucking revelation for me. I had no idea. Oh man, the years of my life that I feel like were not wasted, but uh, could have been a lot better. Could have been, been more better. pleasurable. Yeah. That's for fucking sure. That is for fucking sure. Yeah. I would love to hear some of our listeners' stories because, um, quite frankly, I'm tired of hearing my own. Just kidding. (laughs) Mine are just like – it's like I won by being a virgin until I got married. I also got married at 20, so I didn't have to wait a super long time. But it's like after winning, then just comes all – like that – it was weird. Winning the virginity until marriage award was like not as great as they said it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't be the only one who has uh, not regrets. They're not regrets. They're just like, ah, oh, bless her heart. You know, she did her she best. She did. She did, missed out on a lot you, of good stuff. You pure virginal queen. You you win that award. <laughs> win I was that chewed up, chewed up piece of gum. Mr. Recycled um, Virgin, as Rebecca St. James would okay. say. <laughs> a recycled virgin. Oh God. Okay, so let's hear from our listeners and fans. And so I'm going to do some rapid fire ones at the beginning, just some fun little stories that people submitted mostly via TikTok. And then we'll get into some longer form ones that uh, were submitted. So we will take turns reading all the fun purity culture shit that everyone else had to deal with. So, and also not fun. Starting off In a lot of cases, let's not forget our content. (laughs) Decidedly, purity culture is the same as rape culture, which is one thing I learned after I realized that my first fiance had been sexually abusing me. And that's honestly like, I really, really think it's true because it is the thing upon which women saying no, no, no is like not taken seriously. It's all, it was a part of our pop culture and our Christian culture to just know that like men can't help themselves and it's on you. Even Mm -hmm. if you do have sex or get raped, it's because of you, what you're wearing, like whatever. So I, I do want to just say that like we can laugh at things like Lindsay said at the top and we can bring a spirit of like, okay, we're going to heal. We're going to work through it. We're going to move on and be like, wow, that was weird. And also, it is really serious, and it does affect all of our lives, as you've fucking heard, because I can't stop. We can't stop bemoaning it, because it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so hard. And okay. that's why we could unpack it for the rest of our lives. So we're really grateful to everybody who shared. We know that part of the um, beauty of this podcast is that we're able to um, kind of talk about these things and feel – we have these like inside jokes with uh, people we've never met, right? Uh. Which is so interesting Like <laughs> that we're, we're all in the same boat. So all right, here we go. Starting off strong with a submission from Taylor. Said our school district hired a pastor slash – sex educator named Ed, nicknamed Sex Ed, which is hilarious. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Well, you're not, you're not gonna love Sex Ed in a moment because old, here's the thing, pastor slash sex educator. Terrible idea. No, bad. Don't do that. Really bad combo. Um, That's why heavy air quotes. Um, And he stood in front of our class and said we would be like a used toothbrush if we had sex before marriage. And nobody wants a used toothbrush. Thanks, sex ed, for that. That's gross. Okay. Can I just tell you, there was a time as a child that I dropped my toothbrush into the toilet somehow. And then my mom's like, oh, well, we'll just boil it. And then we boiled it. And I had to still use it. So, I mean. All right. uh, Tell Taylor. Taylor, just boil it. Just boil your vagina and it'll yeah. be fine. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, all right. Next one, which is kind of hilarious because we joke about this often. Uh, this one says, I remember sitting in the pews hearing about how people shouldn't lay with animals. I was pretty terrified that as a child, I might accidentally attract an animal. <laughs> I mean, you're probably watching Snow White, Cinderella. They're all just like bringing in the an- uh, like attracting animals. Left but and like, right. they are bestiality. Why is that a thing a child should worry about? Like, why yeah. is that the thing like, that Christians keep talking about? The slippery slope always leads so- to like fucking sheep. You're gonna accidentally slip your dick into a sheep. Like, <laughs> well, it might fall God. in to a sheep. They're so cuddly. I'm just they do. You know? They do seem very cuddly. <laughs> I've like, never cuddled what? a sheep, but I think I would like it. I love the euphemism of for lie child with. Be- also, that's really funny. Right. <laughs> yeah. Very biblical language right there. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Next up is from Megan. I went to a True Love Waits rally, and the main speakers were a couple that told us their former sex partners haunted their wedding bed. Ooh, Ew! Spooky. It's a spooky It's time. <laughs> Wait, what? like they were and um, like on their wedding night, and they're like in the room, and they're just like, "Oh my god, there's Barry!" Like, hey, <laughs> y'all, stop having seances yeah. before you have sex in your marital bed. Okay, don't yeah, bring pack your, your Ouija board lovers. away. God, it's a ghost. On you. They're just hovering, hovering over your marital bed saying, You're dirty and used. You're oh, I thought they were. Brush. <laughs> you no, know, I were going to be whispering things gum. like, She likes it this way. <laughs> no. No. no, no. They're not helpful ghosts. They're <laughs> oh. just there to fuck up the vibe. It's not cast for the sense. friendly ghosts. They're just sitting it's there like, like they're doing the a New York Times ones. crossword puzzle in their ghost chair, <laughs> like just observing. <laughs> That would be actually the worst I mean, kind of uh, ex-partner haunting you. <laughs> yeah. Just, I'm just going to sit here. Just hang. I'm just going to sit do here. What don't you're don't doing. mind me. <laughs> yeah. So that's a special entry. I was like, I had never. That's a new one for me. Hadn't heard I that like one. I like it. Yeah. Um, that's some, that's so, some real magic stuff right there. Yeah. Someone said, I got Dobson's preparing for adolescence book. Same. Hard same. same. Uh, yeah. But my mom ripped out the page about masturbation before she gave it to me. <gasps> Wait, was it 
Was it for masturbation or just talking about it at all? It was not pro masturbation. That's what I know. (laughs) She just like the mom did not want them to know know about it. The words not even gonna cross your lips, much less the whole idea. I was given that book. And I was so embarrassed by it because we never talked about sex or whatever. I hid it under the mattress under my bed and like never read the whole thing. So if there was a page about masturbation, I didn't read it because I Mm. never read the whole book. I didn't either. Or or I read it and was like, well, obviously not going to touch myself Uh if I'm not going (laughs) to touch anyone else. Why would I touch myself? I just want to say I really am curious (sighs) about how this person found out that that was the page ripped out of their adolescence. I do oh, love that. I yeah, do love yeah. that they did some investigating like, of like, there seems missing. to be a missing part. Hmm. I'm a detective. I'm literally going to hunt down what that page is. And oh, it's about <laughs> masturbation. Cool. Amazing. Wasn't there a glossary that? in that book or something? Oh, like Probably. Maybe. That's probably it. All right. Good for you. I love the investigative um, Me too. work That's that fun. this person did to solve the mystery. This last one I'm going to read is from Laura, and she said that at at her youth group, we had to stand in a line, brush our teeth, spit into one cup of water, and the last person in the line had to drink it. Stop. That that was sex before marriage. Spit water. Okay. It's disgusting on every level. Mostly just the drinking the teeth. The hygiene level. I mean, just the, like, gross out level. Is this fear factor night at youth group? Like, what? Yeah. It's fear fa- make you afraid of sex fear factor. They just ensured that all of those kids had fresh, clean makeout mouths. Mm. Like except for the kid who drank the spit water, because no one, is no one's that. gonna, <laughs> no one's kissing spit water kid. That is so upsetting. And like knowing youth groups, I, I feel like there's probably one kid who's like, oh, I'll do it, I'll do it, you know, because kids yeah. are always doing. And that you know, kind of- there was those guys that did that, like, yes, mouth, and they were gonna. Course. Oh, oh gross, gross. gross. <laughs> also, did y'all have to share a toothbrush, or did they provide toothbrushes to every individual in this? I like, did everyone get to take their toothbrush home? It was like an oral hygiene night. As oh, well. Oral hygiene. They're like, don't put your mouth on yeah, anyone. For sure, genitals. <laughs> By the way. Also, here's some deodorant. <laughs> Toothbrush and deodorant. <laughs> I don't like oh my this. gosh! I don't like that one. Oh That's very upsetting. <laughs> I'm really sorry, Laura. That's fucking gross. <laughs> I don't like it. I wish we had more details, Laura. If you're listening, mm. please. It was a TikTok comment. You know, there's only so much you can give yeah. on TikTok. So like, that, that's Laura, all the context I have. Call me. So, Laura, yeah, I got I got to know. I feel like I need to do a poll on like TikTok one of these days. Like, what were all the weird things, like analogies that you were given about sex before? You know, we all have heard the chewed up piece of gum. Now we've mm-hmm. heard the used toothbrush, but also the toothbrush, tooth, the spit, brushing the, in the spit. Cup, water, water. And then there's like the ghosts now haunting the marriage bed. Like, what else? Like, yes, yes. Many- do the poll. Do the poll. Okay. Sure. But also, let's get a head start with this listener submission from Tabitha. So, the thing with purity culture that I think a lot of people from the outside don't understand is that there's there are things we are explicitly told and then they're more so than that. Not that a lot of those things aren't bad enough. Like, you know, if you don't have your virginity, you're a chewed a piece of gum, you're a test-driven car, you're a crumpled piece of paper, you're a flower with the petals ripped off. I mean, you're a cupcake that the frosting's been licked off. You're a sucker that fell on the ground like there's so many explicitly damaging ideologies but the implicit ones 
can be far more damaging and that's sort of like how my story kicks off is there were a lot of things that i implicitly believed that i felt like were implied and i'll hear i'll talk to my story about other people and they're like well i was never told that i was never taught that and i'm like yeah i wasn't directly either but when you're taught all this other stuff there's this grand likelihood that you will have also these subsequent takeaways no one has to tell you them they just are true because they reflect the reality of what you already know is true what you are being told is true yeah so the moral of the story is um if you had sex before marriage you were disgusting right yeah that's it you were you were it was almost as if you were already it was okay to discard you it was okay to demoralize you it was okay to shame you in all these different ways and like it wasn't just oh you had sex it was like the repercussions of that were social they were cultural they came at you from all these different places i mean i was ashamed at feeling thoughts of lust i i literally don't know how so many of these teenagers survived like oh. Uh, repression and dissociation right like (laughs) i think i think we know we did it (laughs) and now we're all in a lot of therapy and having like midlife crises and figuring and lexapro actually you know yes Yes. thank you medicine hello we're finally on meds we're finally figuring out like our sexual desires slash orientations um and all of these fun things. I mean, yes. I'm glad we're finally getting there, but it would have been nice to like figure out some of the stuff before it was 42 years old. Quickly, just point out one more time, the compulsory heteronormativity in all of purity culture is a big problem yes. too. Then that's another reason why like being when I was younger and people would be like, you're a lesbian. I'm like, what? That's crazy. Also, but I do like... I did wonder why my best friend didn't kiss me when she confessed she had kissed a girl once at a party when she was drunk. <laughs> I never told anybody that until like the last year, probably, because it was so like shameful. It was like a terrible thought that I had that I was like really embarrassed about. It was it was strange. But, you know, not that long later, I did realize that I was sexually attracted to many different gender expressions, but I just didn't know like how to do that, what to do with that. And so I think it's also like how to how about the layers uh, keeping us from knowing ourselves Again, like we're all wrapped over and over and over again in like this bubble wrap garbage. And then we wonder why we've never been able to understand any part of ourselves. Like we're not allowed to. We're not supposed to do that. Thank you. Soapbox stepping down. We we love a Sarai soapbox. Should we trademark that? Sarai soapbox TM? 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 Yep. I have a submission um, via Facebook that I would like to share from Monroe. Um, Monroe says, my first love, we both got a heavy dose of purity culture and tried the whole don't kiss until the altar thing, but we loopholed that shit by kissing through plastic wrap. (laughs) Bless her little heart. You guys. We eventually did most things sexually together except P&B. But then I married the first man that I had P&B sex with because I was so ashamed of sleeping with him that I thought that was the way to fix it. Plot, to, plot twist, it wasn't. Ugh. We were both miserable and it was awful. My now husband and I are ethically non-monogamous. Well, and fuck yes. I Good think- job, Monroe. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
That Good. is exactly a beautiful ending to a very horrible start. You guys, the plastic wrap is that – I feel like that's straight out of – what was that show? Um, oh, the pie Pushing maker. daisies? Pushing daisies. I was going to yes. say. Yes. It's totally that's like straight that. out of – yeah. They did. Yes. It was, it was, so it was cute way cuter. Yeah, it was, it was it really was cute. cute. And pushing, it was <laughs> cute and pushing daisies, not cute in purity Correct. culture. Correct. I pushing think that daisies. Monroe brings right. up that thing of like having sex with somebody, then the guilt of that was like, well, if I get married to you, then I won't have to feel guilty because even if we had sex before marriage, we're now married. So it kind of like it does. It's this. It's Christian math. It is a loophole. It just is like it negates another. Christian math. Yes. Yes. Christian math. It's 100% Christian math. If you have sex before you're married, but then you get married, then the sin To that same anymore. person. Yeah. Right. yeah that you sin can retroactively becomes okay sex. Because right? you knew yep. that that yes. was your... your um, you had God, your God, God in your heart. Yes, yes. You were married in your heart. Yes. 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 Also, you didn't have I that knew. legal paperwork. <laughs> right. I also want – this is the other thing that I always am like, what the fuck about? Because Christians are always like, oh, premarital sex is a sin. It's bad. Yet and also, I feel like what was marriage in the Old Testament? Like it was not a ceremony and a white wedding dress and one man and one woman. Like the story of fucking Jacob, the like – the progenitor yep. of the 12 tribes. He's uh, going out trying to fuck Rachel, can't get her, enslaves himself, indentured servitude for seven more years, gets with Leah, he's so bummed, and then has to work seven more years to have what a, the other daughter, which is so gross and weird too. But they are, they're just like put together in a tent and they lie with one another and the, then they're married. Like that yeah. is weird. But also like, I don't know. I just I think it's very interesting how much we create culture, like Western culture, white supremacy fucking culture. And then the whole entire religion is just spun from that and not understanding that, like, even their scriptures don't say any like they don't really fucking say the words premarital sex because it's not a thing in the Bible. Like it's actually yeah. never really a thing. It's they have sex, they lie together and then there they are. Ta-da. Yeah. And and that I think kind of makes them married. Also, let's talk about like how young people were when they got yes. married back yes. in those days. Also, the fact that people were taking multiple wives, which is not a thing that Christians do. But like, I don't think that human beings. I got married at twenty seven. Like, you shouldn't wait till you're twenty seven to have sex. Like, no. your body was not uh uh-uh. uh made for that. It is no really not healthy. Like, I really believe it's not healthy for it's your body. It's not medically never- healthy. Yeah, it's ugh. Okay, well, I have a yeah. sad one now, and uh, just gonna bring back that somber uh, content warning. This one's anonymous. I grew up in an evangelical Christian home. I was all about it. I loved church, mission trips, and youth groups. Same. See you. My dad gave me a promise ring when I turned 13, as if he needed to. I wasn't ever going to have sex before marriage. I became a young life leader in college and immediately started dating one of the leaders that knew me when I was a young life high school student. Ugh. Edgy, creepy, mm. edgy, but mm-hmm. I, all I right. Like if this yeah. little this little uh, in college, little groomery, little, little groomery, groomery there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had lots of conversations about lines we weren't willing to cross, and because we were good little Christians, blowjobs were a no go. One day he asked. I went with it. He broke up with me the next day. <gasps> Piece of shit. Wait, like as retribution? 
Like, was that a test? Probably. Yeah. He found out she was a slut. So, you know. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, okay, I mean, continue. cool. I'm, a guest. I'm gonna assume this guy's name is Travis. Like, fuck off, Travis. That's disgusting. Two weeks later, in Bible study, the leader said that oral sex is the same as sex. So my virginity was gone. That was my freshman Ugh. year. Fast forward three years of me not dating in college because I was traumatized, and it's the last semester of my senior year. I was out with friends drinking and was raped by one of them. I can't even explain the isolation you feel when you can't even talk to your friends because you are so ashamed of yourself. I spent years blaming myself for what someone else did to me. I felt like trash because all I had ever learned was that women are valued for their virginity. Every Bible study I had ever done was focused on that fact. I graduated a couple weeks later and really spiraled. To this day, my best friends who are all young life leaders still don't know what happened. I needed them so much at that time. God. I'm really, this is sad. I'm really sorry. It's really sad. It's it's really sad. And that she couldn't like even reach out to her friends because the shame around it, the shame around being a sexual assault victim is one of the worst things to come out and tell people about. There's so much shame around what I did and what I how I caused that to happen to me. And if you asked for it, like, what did you, what were you wearing? What signals was I sending? He must have been confused. Like you were drinking. Yes. You know, purity culture and rape culture are one and the same. Like, yes, hundred percent. This is what that means. Yes. It's so fucked. Back to our story. I'm very much not a Christian, but the trauma of purity culture still haunts me. Two years ago, I realized that the fact that I was still wearing my promise ring was adding so much burden to my life, endless shame, and I took it off. Thank you. Good job. Liberation. Fuck Yay. Yes. There are so <laughs> many that have been so negatively impacted by the purity generation. I know so many people who have left the church in the last decade, and they all state that as the reason. Sometimes I think mm. we need ex-cult member therapy. And honestly, 100%. you're right. We do need ex-cult therapy and we need i mean religious trauma therapy we also need help with our sexual shit because we don't need to live like a one-dimensional life and we don't need to hide all of these parts of ourselves that are again like normal completely healthy things about us as human beings and so i am so grateful that you were able to take that fucking purity ring off or that promise ring off i hope you dropped it down a a sewer drain or put it in a shadow box <laughs> with like hellish other things to make it a tragic art piece, whatever. Good job. I'm so glad you're out of that. Also, it's fucking horrible. And I'm really sorry. Like we do yeah. carry these things with us. Yeah, that was a heavy one. Man, I just – I like – want to give everyone a hug yeah. just to say like i'm sorry and also know that like we all feel we feel it so deeply because we know it like we know mm-hmm. everything that that person said like rang so true even if it wasn't necessarily my experience you know this sh- i think it's just the shame we all know that deep shame so well and what that hindered and how that fucked us up and how we weren't able to talk honestly with anyone even people who were supposed to be safe um Dude, okay, Meg, are we ready to do another one? Okay, this one was a submission from Rebecca. My husband and I grew up in a very conservative Baptist church in Central Florida. I feel like that statement alone says enough, but I'll add a little more. The church (laughs) preached full purity until marriage, and that meant absolutely no touching. 
So no hand-holding, kissing, hugging, etc. And in order to avoid lustful- Florida, let me just say. (laughs) God. In order to avoid lustful temptations, also just lustful temptations, such a great phrase for a young uh, teenager to know and say- (laughs) To avoid lustful temptations, we would abide by a six-inch rule, which meant staying at least six inches apart at all times. Good Lord. When I turned 15, my parents gave me a purity ring. The ring symbolized my commitment to purity until marriage, and I remembered most teen services were centered around staying pure. Mm -hmm. At one service, they gave an altar call and encouraged those who wanted to remain pure until marriage to come to the front and to promise to our youth pastor that we will stay pure until marriage. Mm -hmm. This was especially awkward for me because our youth pastor was my boyfriend's dad. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh my God. Yikes. That was a twist I was not expecting and I love it. It was a really good twist. I'm so happy. This is good. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Pulling us out of a hole. Go. (laughs) Woo. That responsibility of purity seemed to rely heavily on the modesty of girls. So there was a lot of Mm. slut shaming Mm -hmm. for wearing Mm -hmm. things that were, quote, too tight, which meant showing curves, Mm -hmm. too short, which was Mm -hmm. above mid knee, or too low. We followed the three finger from collarbone rule. You can't even let cleavage show. There were so many. I'm sorry. How many rulers did you have around the house, Rebecca? There's like the six inches you had to stay apart. When your boyfriend was around, there's the three uh, fingers. I guess you didn't have to use a ruler for that. But like, no, I mine, this I'm is so not much like, mind work. a lot work. of measurement. Yeah. Yes. You have, you probably, this is Christian Rebecca math, has, y'all. It's Christian, Christian math. math. This again. is Christian math. Damn. Christian math. Okay. Okay. So Rebecca goes on to say, as we all know, this type of atmosphere is a playground for sexual predators. The church had a private school and one of the high school teachers sexually assaulted one of the students. She says, this poor girl, I remember so many of my peers and the adults slut shaming the girl and blaming the whole thing on her. Thankfully, someone reported the offender and he's still behind bars to this day. But that horrible ideology is still preached at that church. Consent was never talked about because it was never even considered rape. Quote, the girl must have been asking for it in some way. A lot of times the actions of men were brushed off because, quote, God made them sexual beings and they're just acting the way they are because they are men. This is like such damaging for boys, for those like sweet boys in youth group uh, to be told that like, yeah, that they need to pursue their toxic masculinity, really. It's it's just like you can't help it. God. The shame so- and the blame that we were that was put on young girls and young women is is. I'm sorry. It's it's not okay. It's it. I'm I'm not just angry. Like I'm, like I'm really sad about it. Yeah, it makes me really sad. And I'm really sad and angry that it continues and more generations are going through the same shit we went through and like coming out as damaged, but luckily having more resources. I feel like a lot of people that we've even talked to for sure, Sinane and Fina, like these amazing, brilliant younger women who also were indoctrinated in purity culture and all of that bullshit. Like I'm really grateful that a lot more people are able to 
to come out and kind of find common ground with people who are leaving the religion. Because I remember at, you know, in 2004, when I was very much on my like, we're not really quite doing this anymore. Like I didn't want to go to church. I didn't, whatever. I was just done. But I then worked at a church and it ruined my life. And I was like, well, there we go. <laughs> Self-fulfilling prophecy again, question mark. But yeah, I think it's it's so frustrating to me that it's still happening. And um, I that's one of the main reasons why I keep coming around being like, hey, I don't really want to be an asshole. But like, if you're still a part of the evangelical church, in any marginalized body of any kind, then you really need to leave. Like it's not a safe place for you and it never will be. Uh, no. Great. I did have a remembering from my tales of purity culture crypt that I kind of want to share, you know, content warning again, sexual assault. But since I can't stop saying rape in this whole episode, because again, like purity culture is that I don't, I've never really talked about this part of my story, like publicly. When I was 34 and walking down the street in San Diego, um, a person like talked to me and then we just ended up like hanging out, which is sort of weird, but I was just like in a really open and good mood and it was fun and whatever. A lot of things happened that were eye-opening to me about things that had happened before in my life, as I've mentioned, like that night was the first time I even realized that my first fiance had sexually abused me. Because what happened was he wouldn't leave where I was. And I stated my boundaries and I thought I was being like really firm and it was fine. But I also was having fun, like for the first time in a really long time um, and flirting with somebody. And it was like meaningless and it was fine. But also it, it became dangerous. Um, and I remember... I've said this part before, if he comes, he'll go was like the thing that I thought. And I was like, what? And also it was weird because like purity culture was a reason I was like, well, if I just give you a blowjob, that's not so bad. Right. And then in the middle of it, I was like, I can't survive this. Like I have to just get it done. And so that's what I did. Um, when I got home, I was really confused about what had happened because I I had no framework for it. Like it was so not a thing that I would do, like have sex with somebody randomly. <laughs> like it wasn't, I never had, obviously, like I was still married. And um, when I got home, I told my pastor that I had sex with somebody else when I was on my trip. And he was like, oh, I thought that I had to worry about men and not you. Usually it's the men who are doing things like that. And I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Um, and it became clearer to me, like, as I worked through telling people what happened, especially with my ex-husband, who actually was really kind and supportive during this, where I was like, I said no again and again. I didn't want to do it. I'm like, I was like hurt. My body hurt. Like, it wasn't a thing I enjoyed. <laughs> um, and... He's the one that helped me realize that it was a sexual assault and not me having like weird out of character sex with somebody. Um, and that's also where I had to ask myself the question like, well, what if I didn't want to say no? Because I never even gave myself the opportunity to say yes hmm. or no. And 
I think that's also another really important part of what purity culture takes away from us. It does take away our agency. Mm -hmm. It takes away our ability to literally even say like, oh, maybe I do want to like make out with this person or like fool around or something. Like, I, I think it is valuable for us to recognize that like not being able to even hear our own desires or wants and not being able to give them air at all is also part of our shadow and like part of what we get to and need to integrate into our lives and ourselves because the part of me that probably did want to like feel affection and feel desired and feel like I was having fun and like it was nice it was nice we, you know the not the bad parts but like it was a nice night before that and I didn't feel bad about it I was just doing whatever what I'm hearing in your story is I think that like I have some of those experiences too with like having sex that that, that just wasn't it was kind of enjoyable, but there was a guilt and shame around it. But I also just think because we were never – I think since there was not clear and enthusiastic consent, right. that is also where it gets so great and a thing that we were never mm-hmm. taught and we didn't know. And so like you can have these experiences and they're very muddled and it's hard yes. to know like – and with the shame around it, but also like, did I even want that? Was I okay with that? It happened, but like, I feel really icky. And like, what is that coming from? It's just, I have hope for these future generations that we're starting to have these conversations. And like, you know, it's an evangelicalism issue, but it's also an American issue. This affects so much more than, but specifically in evangelicalism because it was harped on so much. Yeah. But as a culture, we have a problem with, you know, toxic masculinity and rape culture and all of these things. But I just, I I hate this for like young us. I, <laughs> and these stories that we're reading, like we could probably say these things so we're blue in the face. It It's so unfortunate and it makes us sad and mad and everything in between and yeah it's not right and I hope that our kids have so much more freedom when it comes to this stuff and like sex is intimate and it's complicated and it's I want to say it's hard to talk about but I think that's probably just my upbringing saying that like it shouldn't be that hard to talk about like it is part of us and who we are we are sexual beings and I think talking about our needs and wants and desires whether it be having them or not having them, you know, Mm -hmm. learning about what it means to be a person with a big libido and what it means to be a person that doesn't. Like all of those things, I've also had to learn that. Like I Mm -hmm. thought that since I don't have the highest libido, that that meant, um, you know, I wasn't sex positive or whatever. And I've just learned that like, oh no, it (laughs) doesn't mean that at all. Anyways, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail. Um, I will say I saved what I think is the the best for last for you to read there, Sarai, to like bring us home on I it's it's more of a lighthearted one. So we can go into that. (laughs) Noelle, thank you for sharing your story with us and for letting us know that all of the events in this story are consensual. I had learned from church that sex before marriage was a sin, but even though we had special, quote, discipleship days, end quote, where we were separated out by gender and talked to about modesty, <laughs> is what we are, that's what we did do. They never talked about all the things that were almost sex, but weren't quite intercourse. I learned from my non-Christian friends about things like manual sex and oral sex, and those seemed like fair game to me. The church had never told me otherwise. I knew I was fence straddling. Ooh, straddling. Sexy <laughs> word. I was even dating a non-believer, a big no <gasps> unequally Ooh, yoked scandalous. Noel. Shit. Unequally <laughs> yoked Noel. 
Damn. <clears throat> it turned out I was on my way out of the church, but I was still committed to virginity until marriage and remained so for a long time. So did I. It Even after I wasn't really like a Christian and I was like, mm, this is just weird now. I don't know what to do. Okay. <clears throat> on this particular day, I was with my boyfriend and I wanted to try all the new things I had learned about. I touched his penis and I liked how much he liked it. When I thought about touching his penis with my mouth, though, I thought to myself, I can't do it. Then my biblical reflexes kicked in and I immediately thought, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that gave me the courage to try. I've always thought it was funny that Jesus gave me the strength to give oral sex for the first time. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that the best? Because <laughs> it's a good story. I, I love, love that verse just popped into her head and yep. she went for it. Yep. That's Damn. Great. I, you know what? I started to do that with like worship songs, like just singing them to myself sometimes or like helping. You know, it's just like, yes, I can do all things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You can you can mm -hmm. give good head. Okay. Yep. The worship song I most like to sing to myself is Jehovah Jireh, but it's just because it's such a fun little Jehovah Jireh, my provider, strength is sufficient for me. It's sufficient for me. I also want to give our me. listeners a deep cut true story that you'll probably never know about really unless you hear it from me right here. The first time we recorded High Times with the Most High, we were already high when we started recording it. So, like, it was bad. And we can't really recover the audio. But one of the most amazing things that happened during it was somehow we ended up talking about Jehovah Jireh. And I was like, we need to get the website JehovahJireh.net. And then I went on the internet and, like, got it, I thought. And then and we were all on board. We were high and we were, and we were pumped. We were like, we were, we were ready. Like, we couldn't get jehovahjireh.com, but .net was the next best. And you were just like, got your credit card out. You were like, I'm kind of getting, and we were pumped. We were like, we yes, clearly we have to own jehovahjireh.net. I don't know why, but in this yeah, moment, it was we had very to. important. It was so important. And then I, then Meg was like, okay, so J-E-H-O-V-A-H. -H. And I was like, oh, I spelled Jehovah with no H at the end. And so if y'all want to go to the Holy Ghosting website, but find it a funner way, it's uh, Jehovah, no H, Jira, J-E-H-O-V-A-J-I-R-E-H dot net. And you'll find our homepage. That's it. That's the whole point. It redirects. It redirects <laughs> to Holy Ghosting. Yep. We own. We are the proud owners of JehovahJira.net spelled wrong. So JehovahJira.net. Minus the H. <laughs> and it's on automatic renewal. And so we basically have it forever and ever until we choose not to have it anymore. At which point we'll sell it to someone for $10 billion. It's going to be worth a lot when we make it big. Okay, guys? Yeah. <laughs> hey, here's the thing. As soon as we get Jehovah with no H to be the way that America spells it, we're good. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. 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 That's great. That's good. It's like Sarah with no H. Just a, a little bit sleeker, you know? We got some audio submissions from listeners, and I'd like to share some of those. So I Kissed Dating Goodbye came out in my sophomore or junior year of high school and was the book in my youth group. The two big takeaways that we had from it were that courtship was for the purpose of marriage and that, quote, giving your heart away was the most intense commitment that a person could make. The flip side 
explicitly stated was that if you dated more than one person ever, you'd be splitting your heart irreparably and that your eventual spouse, not too eventual, marriage was assumed to come pretty quickly, wouldn't ever be able to get your whole heart. There was a whole system in the youth group. Even though we were a cool youth group from a mainline church with a sand volleyball court, the youth pastor was in the matchmaking business. He'd push kids in his inner circle together and ice out any boyfriend brought to youth group from outside the church. It wasn't until I just said that that I realized that it was just boyfriends. Girlfriends were welcomed wholeheartedly. I guess us girls weren't allowed to choose for ourselves, but the boys were leaders and could be trusted. Totally. I'd started dating my first boyfriend shortly before the book hit the group, and he and I had the kind of crazy chemistry that happens in that first whirlwind high school romance. My youth pastor, of course, hated him. It was very clear from the first and probably only time he came with me that he was not welcome. I think the timing of all that maybe saved me from the worst of the impact of the book, actually. I wasn't in the inner circle, no matter how much I wanted to be, and I really had no interest in being matched up with any of the guys in it. So even though I felt guilty choosing to keep dating my boyfriend, it also felt like the right decision. The whole message still managed to mess me up, though. I went into that relationship with the expectation that this was permanent. We would date through college, get married after we graduated, and that was that. After all, I'd given him my heart, and you can't take that back, right? Of course, it ended. I was devastated, and I started dating basically the first guy who took me out in college. We were together for two years with absolutely zero chemistry because, again, you date, you marry. I finally figured out that we were going absolutely nowhere after two years of watching him play Super Smash Brothers in his living room, broke it off, and had a few weeks of flirting with the idea of getting back with high school boyfriend because of the heart thing. That actually gave me some closure in the end, though. After years of what-ifs, that was obviously not going to be it. The thing is, I don't actually disagree now with the, quote, when you give away your heart, you can't take it back thing, even now. But I also don't think it's a bad thing. I love my husband and my family. I did end up getting married shortly after graduation, but that's another story. I love them with my whole heart, but it also has room for fondness and love for the memories I carry and for the lessons I learned from those early relationships. I don't have any regrets from the people I dated or from the people I didn't get to date because of, you know, all the very quick moving and all the all of those various pressures, but I do know now that my heart is plenty big enough for all kinds of love. I love that so much. Good. It's such a beautiful way to kind of take what was taken from her um, and, and the ways that it harmed her. And now she's able to turn that around. And and it is true. It's like when I had my kid, I was worried that I would love my husband less or have less love to give. But it wasn't true. I My heart grew. You know, my hope and prayers for the generations to come that they don't have these hangups and talk to your kids about sex. Like it's been so interesting with my daughter, you know, asking about sex and just realizing like she asked me why, you know, people had sex recently because she's just baffled by it, right? She she actually turned nine today. So she's like, you know, I remember she asked me, she's like, so I know that you and dad had sex when you made me. And I was like, "Mm hmm. And she asked, she was like, well, have you had sex again? like any other times and i was like cute yes yes and she was like like a like a lot of times and i was like 
uh-huh, yes. <laughs> and she just goes, ew, why? And I yep. was like, great question. Because it feels good. I was yeah. like, because it feels good and it's fun. And, you know, of course, she's nice. She's like horrified. She doesn't ever think. But I, uh, I don't even think it was other than like, of course, in the Christian circles, there was the weird, like, it will be fun when you're married. You oh, know, again, that weird switch so of like, hot. it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. And then it's going to be the best thing ever. Day yeah. one. Which is such a Get bizarre thing to try to wrap your mind around. Yeah. Also, right? it's like so heaven on earth will just happen. Like, how I'm am saying. I supposed to just happen? It doesn't like, just happen. <laughs> but also what's so funny is like, it's almost like how they promise heaven after you suffer in life. And that's the same story of like, you should suffer by not ever yes. letting yourself feel any sexual feelings. And then when you get married, it's like heaven, right? But why don't we then go, wait a minute. This did not feel heavenly. Instead, we're like, that was my fault. There's something wrong with me. I should have been mm. somehow better at letting this warped penis into my vagina. Like, that was my fault. But we still believe in heaven? Like, come yeah. on. There's this evidence that people I, are fucking lying. It's <laughs> not true. Have sex and when you I, want to with your friends. I kind of can't believe. <laughs> Do what you want. Yeah. I kind of can't believe we didn't get more submissions about people's wedding nights because I have personally heard many horror stories of people like when you wait like it's terrible you don't know what you're doing it's uncomfortable you're nervous you oh yeah and there's all the pressure all of it yeah yeah purity culture y'all it's appropriate for spooky season because it is dark (laughs) and deeply fucked thank you for sticking through this episode that took a lot of twists and turns. Uh, There were highs and there were lows. And that's kind of the theme of us, I think. Like we deal with really heavy things and there's some levity. And then there's also like some some catharsis, some healing, and just some some raw emotions that happen. Mm -hmm. So um, take care of yourself. Be good to yourself. Take some deep breaths like this purity culture negatively affected so many people. And I am glad that we have each other to walk through this. I'm glad that we are out of it. I'm glad that we are healing, that we are reclaiming our sexuality. I'm going to put all this back in the crypt for a while. I'm not ready to like delve into, I'm like, okay, we've like, we ripped it open. We talked about these horror stories and I'm ready to like move on and think about, I'm ready to go like hang out with my vibrator or something. That's a great antidote. Everybody, Get off. All right. Go get off however you need to. <laughs> you know, don't exploit anyone, but also just let yourself feel the human urge to yeah. um, feel. Yeah. Go feel good. Go feel good. like yeah. how, whatever that means. Go, go like give yourself some love in whatever yeah. way that works for you. You, it, you deserve it. It is good yeah. to feel good. Good to feel good. It's good to feel good. Uh, amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, thank you all for listening. You can find us on the internet. We are on Instagram, TikTok. We have a Facebook group. We have a YouTube channel and we are releasing some really great shit on our Patreon. Uh, we just did an episode on demons and then we took a test to see if we are possessed by demons and the test results are only available on Patreon. And very shortly, our very first episode of High Times with the Most High will be going up to Patreon only. So all you got to do is give us $5 a month, patreon.com slash Holy Ghosting. Or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We're so thankful that you're here, ghosties, and we will see you next time. Happy Halloween.
<laughs> Don't let those ghosts get into your marriage bed. Take those hauntings away. Oh my God. I'm so sad for those people that were haunted by specters of their former lovers. I like, know. Now I'm worried. Yeah, but Meg's ghost name was Barry. She was like, I know. oh, Barry's I love- just. I loved that too. I'm so glad his name is Barry. That's great. Barry, Barry the sex ghost. That's sex right. ghost Barry and Barbara, his new friend. And him and who sex used to Ed fuck from Justin Bob. Yeah, Ed from Sex Ed. <laughs> I love listeners. 